Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, hello. Um, There's more of you here now than when I first said hello this evening. So hello again. My name is uh, Luke. I'm the new young adults cross campus pastor for Hills Baptist. When I um, when I got the role, there was two campuses, and now I think, well, it just keeps growing, doesn't it, Trent? We've got three, kind of, but um, it's getting bigger and bigger, but that's good. Um, but one of the things that, that we're doing to kind of bring us all together as young adults is where we're all starting either this week or next week a new series in the book of Ephesians. So um, whether you go to Verdun or Allgate or you I go to Verdun and you meet at Mount Barker, or whether you go to Lobethal or any of those things, we're all doing the book of Ephesians um, so that when we get to camp in, a f- in four weeks' time, we're all in the same place, ready to go. And that's going to be good. We've called our Ephesians series A New Way to Be Human. Um, and in the book of Ephesians, Paul, who, who wrote the book, he was one of the kind of first people to... Um, sort of had a, have a radical transformation where he met Jesus and decided to follow him and then Jesus um, gave him a lot of work to do. Um, but Paul was like a missionary. He went around telling people about Jesus. He helped churches get going um, and he also wrote a lot of letters to those churches once they were going. But in the book of Ephesians, one of the things that Paul kind of does is he talks about this idea of a new humanity and he contrasts the old, um, the world, and the new the church, the people of God. Um, And so throughout the next six installments, as we work our way through the the book of Ephesians, we're going to look at these different things and these different parts of life and these different, um, I guess, ideas that Paul shares that Jesus has made new. Um, And tonight we're going to be talking about this idea that when we put our faith in Christ, we become part of a new family. Um, and part of that, um, there's three kind of ideas that I want to pull out around family. But one is that um, in a new family, we have a new home. In this new family, we have a new inheritance. And in this new family, we have a new purpose. So we have a place to belong. We have something to look forward to. And we have something to do. And that are all important things for us. Um, all right. When I was about... Um, I grew up in I grew up in Tasmania. Is there any other Tasmanians here? <laughs> That's my brother and dad. So, so yes. This morning I asked the same question and no one put their hand up, um, which is okay. Um, has anyone else been to Tasmania? Okay, well, you'll kind of get it then. Um, but um, in Tasmania, it's very cold. It makes a hills winter look like summer. Um, when, uh, when it's 11 degrees, you'll go to the beach. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but, but it's, it's cold. Okay, it's, it's cold. And one of the things growing up that um, I always loved and I always remembered was that we had a fireplace. Um, and on cold mornings, I remember that mum or dad would light it and we'd come out and the fire would be going and um, it was all very nice and cosy. And one morning when I was about four or five, they don't remember. Um, and then, and my my next brother was 
was two or three, we, um, we thought, and I'm sure we had a very sophisticated discussion about let's, let's do something really lovely and proactive for the family and let's light the fire ourselves. Um, and so I was four, so I thought I'll take responsibility. Um, and because it was the 90s, the matches were obviously easily accessible. Um, so I got the matches and then I got my next younger brother, his name's Tom, to hold the newspaper. Um, and after a few goes, we lit the match and lit the paper on fire and we were on our way. Problem was, we hadn't opened the, the fireplace. We, hadn't, we didn't have any wood in place um, and we had a pile of burning newspaper in our hands. Um, so we did what any sensible children would do and we threw the paper on the floor and we watched the carpet start to catch a light. And at that point, and again, I'm sure there was a very sophisticated sort of conversation between us, we decided that perhaps some parental intervention would be helpful. Uh, I don't remember how we got dad, but he came out of, uh, he ran into the, the room wearing his boxes, looking swish, and he, uh, he filled up, uh, I think it was a soup pot or something like that, full of water and just kind of just dumped it on the carpet, gave us a bit of a growl and uh, went back to bed. So... <laughs> um, What's that story got to do with anything, Luke? Great question. Um, one of the things that makes me feel home, and it's probably because of that upbringing in Tasmania, is being around a fireplace and being with my family and being warm and cosy um, and having that kind of feeling of being comfortable and secure, even if it's cold and stormy outside, but being with the people that I love. Um, and home can look like a lot of different things for different people. So take, I'm going to give you actually thinking time here, 15 seconds to jot down, if you're a note taker, which some of you are, or, uh, or just to think, what is home to you? Hopefully that was enough thinking time. So depending on who I asked, I think we would get lots of different responses. So for some of you, home might be, it might be a physical place. So we say that, you know, a house is like our home and it might be at home with your family, with your parents, that sort of thing. Uh, for some people, um, the house they grew up in was anything but a home. And perhaps if you think about physical locations or even the family you're born into, you'd think that is not my home. So perhaps for some of you it's with friends or with the people that you've chosen to fill your life with. Perhaps for others it's, it might even be church. For some people it could be a sporting club or something like that. But we all have this different kind of idea of what home is. And I think home is this sense of, of belonging, of feeling comfortable in your skin of feeling like this is where I belong. This is where I can be myself and be safe. And one of the things that I think is really important to grab hold of that Jesus did, and Paul writes about it in Ephesians um, 1, is that he actually gave us a place to call home. So in Ephesians 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, 
he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons or daughters through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So what's that saying? Is God the Father, he chose you, he planned for you, and he made a place for you in his family where you belong, where you're given actual legal, certified, guaranteed status as his child. So in the Old Testament, God chose the nation of Israel and they were his people. They were his, I guess you could say they were part, they were the family of God. But through Jesus, every single person of every single nation, of every single language has been given the opportunity to be part of this family of God, to be brought home. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. In uh, the first chapter of John, in John 1, verses 10 to 13, it says, He was in the world, so the he here is talking about Jesus. And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So for those who believe in Jesus, they have been given a place to be, his, to be God's children. And there's a place for everyone in this family. He's given us a new home that each person would feel welcomed and that each person would have a sense of safety, security, and belonging. And if, you've, if you're here tonight and you feel like, I've never felt that, I don't feel like I fit anywhere. I don't feel comfortable in, in any different place. Well, Jesus knows that feeling. It says his own people did not receive him. So he knows how you feel. He knows that sometimes the people that are supposed to make us feel welcome and safe do not, and they reject us. But there is a place for you. In Psalm 68, it says, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He settles the solitary in a home. And he leads out the prisoners to prosperity. So this new home, it's a safe place with a good father. And it's a place of community. It's not a place of isolation and it's a place of freedom. And it's a place for everyone. It's not a place of uniformity where everyone looks the same or everyone dresses the same or everyone talks the same or anything like that, but it's a place of unity, that we all belong, that we're all family in home with God. So when you believe in Jesus and for those that have put their faith in Jesus, you have a new home with God the Father and it's an eternal home. And in this new home, in your position as an adopted member of this household, you've received a new inheritance. So Paul writes in verse 3, he says that we've received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So what are they? And I think often when we think of blessing, we think of physical things. And you see it all the time. People will say, oh, I've got a new house. I'm so blessed. Or I got this new car. I'm blessed. I got a new job. I'm blessed. I have things. I'm blessed. And while maybe that is true in some sense, where does that leave the person who doesn't have those things? Does that mean that they ex- they're excluded from God's blessings? Are God's blessings the physical things of this world? 
in the Bible, there was a reality. In the Old Testament, God did choose a people and he did bless them with material, physical things, but he also took that away from them when they turned their backs on him. And there's also this reality that we live in a material world which is broken, that's full of injustice, and that is just unfair. Some people have a lot and some people have little. I think a lot of our Australian blessings come at a price. And sometimes the price is that we get too comfortable to take any notice of the people around us. Sometimes the price is literally our, our blessing or the things that are to our benefit are at the cost of other people. Like, for example, I was talking to someone the other day about, um, about getting an ele- like electric vehicles and like off-the-grid housing and like lithium batteries and all that kind of stuff. And he was telling me he'd done this research and found out that um, while, well, yes, lithium batteries are good and they might bless us, and they might help us save money, and that might be, you know, a, a blessing. One of the ingredients in those batteries is cobalt, which gets mined in the Congo by child slaves. And so if I was to say, yes, I've got a new battery on my house, I'm so blessed, what does that leave the child in the Congo that's digging that up, that's being exploited? And so I think we have to be really careful when we talk about blessings and we talk about the things that God's given us And we have to remember that, well, yes, we might be really fortunate to live in Australia and God's ordained us for this place for this time. That's not just for us to enjoy things. And that's not what this verse and this passage is even talking about anyway, when it's talking about blessings. When when Paul's talking about spiritual blessings in heavenly places, he's not talking about getting a new BMW. In verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Redemption and forgiveness. So redemption means that our sins are paid in full and we won't bear the punishment. But forgiveness actually takes it one step further because it's possible in a strictly legal sense to be redeemed but not forgiven. So I might commit a crime. Um, And then I might pay a due for that crime. Like, for example, I got a speeding fine. So I paid the fine, and that, in the eyes of uh, the South Australian government, makes us right now. We're okay. Justice has been served. Um, But just because justice is served doesn't mean there's forgiveness. And we can very easily um, see that people can be, you know, they can pay the due for the crime they've committed, but often the victims of crimes are not willing to forgive. And when we start to really narrow down on why we're redeemed, it's because we're sinful. And we start to think about, well, who is the victim of that sin? And who actually is the sin against? We see that it's against God. And we've got a nice big wooden cross at the front to remind us how that sin was paid for as well. And so not only are we redeemed, like, Yes, it's legally made okay, but we're actually forgiven. And when forgiveness happens, relationship can happen. So there's forgiveness so that we can have relationship with God. And that's a spiritual blessing in a heavenly place. Because without that, without relationship with God, there's no spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It's not not a good place to be. 
But further, um, in verses 13 and 14, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So the Holy Spirit is the deposit, the guarantee from God the Father that we belong to him. We've been sealed. So, you know, in those days when Paul was writing, if someone... Um, like a, a, an official or a king or a governor, they all had their own personalized seal. Uh, they would like they would stamp it into wax and it would seal a letter or a law and it would make it legal and it would make it official and it would make it, yep, this is what's happening. And so when Paul's saying we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit as a sign of our inheritance, that means that God has said this thing, this relationship between me and you, this is happening. This is long-term this is in writing. It's locked away. And not only is the, the Holy Spirit a deposit that we have, the Holy Spirit is part of God, that, the person of the Trinity that points us to Jesus, that teaches us about Jesus, that teaches us how to walk, that gives us what we need to live. And the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in the person that confesses that Jesus is Lord. And the Holy Spirit is so much better than any physical blessing that we can imagine. Because when you're in the pits of despair, a nice TV will not comfort you. <laughs> It'll distract you, but it won't comfort you. And so this is the kind of blessing that Paul is talking about. He's talking about forgiveness. He's talking about redemption. He's talking about adoption into the family of faith. And he's talking about the promised Holy Spirit. So that's your inheritance. So if you're here tonight and you believe in Jesus and you would call yourself a Christian, that is what you have. You're forgiven, you're redeemed, you're adopted, and you're sealed by the Spirit. So what do you do with it? That's kind of the next question, isn't it? It's the, the logical flow. So I've, I've got a home, I've got an inheritance, I know what's to come and I know how this kind of works. So what do I do with it? I did a bit of research this week. You'll notice this will be a common theme. Um, I thought, I'll see what do people do when they get an inheritance. Um, so if, you know, if you're the average Australian and you came into a large sum of money or a small sum or any amount um, from a relative who's died, um, what do you do? So six things that you can do. You actually, you're actually here for a financial seminar. So <laughs> strap yourselves in. Um, number one. Pay off debts. Sounds good. Number two, secure the future with things like term deposits and investments and trust funds. Number three, invest in your children or grandchildren's education. Number four, treat yourself. Number five, go on a holiday. And number six, hire a financial planner. That was suspicious because it was on a financial planning website, but I thought <laughs> I'll include it anyway. They seem to know what they're talking about. Um, I looked at about 10 or 12 of these kind of, uh, I got distracted, these finance websites. And, um, and one or two did say, if you've secured yourself and you've got enough to retire and do all that stuff and you've secured your family, then if you want to, you could give some. You could donate some to a charity or you could um, drop some in the Salvation Army bucket at Coles or it's really up to you, but only if you've sorted yourself out. 
That's the world's wisdom. That's what the world would say to do with an inheritance. And I think sometimes as Christians, we do something a little bit similar. Where we go, awesome, I'm a child of God. The old has gone, the new has come. That's so good. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to be comfortable. And I'm going to wait till I die so I can go to heaven. Sweet. But that's not what it's for. It's not what the inheritance is for. That's not what Jesus died for. He died so that we would join him in what he's doing in the world. Not that we would cloister ourselves away from the world, that we would be in but not of the world. And even if we go back to that list and we say, okay, pay our debts. Well, if we think about the spiritual blessings we've been given, we know that our debt is paid. We know that our future is secure. We know that, you know, maybe instead of paying for future generations to be educated, maybe we could be a youth leader or bring them to church or invest in them in that way. The inheritance is not for us. In Ephesians 5, 8, Paul writes, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light. Walk as children of light. So you were darkness, but now you're light. And what does light do in darkness? It removes it. If you shine a torch in a dark room, the whole room starts to be visible. Jesus says in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So this is our new purpose. It's to do good works so that people would give glory to our Father in heaven. And this is where that sense of maybe justice and things like that start to come in, that we who are light would start to shine a light in dark places. And it's important the order in this is right because we don't do good works to get into the new home. That's, that's religion. We do good works because we have a new home. We do good things because God has done the best thing for us. And so if you're here tonight and you're like, but I'm doing all the good things, but I don't feel like a Christian or like I feel like God's distant, or I, that's not the point. You can do good things because you're home, because you know where you are, you know your inheritance, you know who you are, and then you can do good things and point people to your good father. So that's our purpose. If you want to know God's will for your life, and I know this is a big thing for young people, what's God's plan for my life? Well, here it is. Know the Father and make him known. That's it. That's God's will for your life. And now go do something with it. Go be a plumber. Why is that funny? No, okay. <laughs> go be a plumber. Go be an athlete. Go to Bible college. Go be the best Twitch streamer you can. It doesn't matter. God's will for your life is that you know the Father and then you make him known. And you can do that wherever you are. 
Because if you know your father, you carry that with you into every place you go. And so you don't need to sit and wait and go, oh, God, just give me something to do. I'm just going to wait here until you do. No, because we know who we are and we know whose we are, we know our father, we can go and do stuff. And how do we know the Father? We look to Jesus. In John 14, Jesus says to his disciples, I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. So if you're going, okay, yep, you're talking about God the Father, but who is that? You look to Jesus. You look to what Jesus says. You look to what he does and you see that is the Father's heart for this world that people would feel safe, that people would belong, that people would come into a new home, that people would have a new inheritance and people would have a new purpose. So tonight you might be in any one of those places. You might be like, well, I don't even feel like I have a home. I don't feel like I belong anywhere. Tonight I pray that you know that you have a home. It's an eternal home. It's a safe home. And if home has not been safe for you, then I pray that that Jesus does a work and that he heals that in you and he shows you, I am who I say I am. I am safe. You can trust me. If maybe you feel like, yeah, I've got the home part right, but you're not sure about where you're going, well, this is your inheritance, that you have eternity sealed by the Spirit with Jesus. Eternity in heaven. When I say you've got eternity in heaven, I would expect to see more smiles from a room that's mostly Christian. You have eternity in heaven. You have eternity in heaven with a Father who loves you, where Jesus says that he will wipe away every tear, where the things of this world will fade. There's a place for you with God forever. Are you hearing it? (laughs) And it's for everyone. Whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're playing drums for the first time in church, come on. It's for you. Sometimes we need to tell our faces that we're Christians and that we have good things to look forward to. Yeah? Yeah? And if you know all this and you're like, yep, I feel home. Yep, I know where I'm going. Then it's time to walk in that. It's time to walk with a new purpose. It's time to take your light into dark places, wherever you are, wherever you're called to be. It doesn't matter. Not everyone's called to the same thing, but you just go and do the thing that God's given you to do. Maybe you're good at building stuff. Go build stuff for the glory of God. But that's what our purpose is. No more sitting and waiting for God to reveal this master plan for your life. If he did that, we couldn't handle it anyway. So just step out and start walking in your new purpose. And if you're here tonight and you are like, you lost me at step one. I don't even know who Jesus is. Let me tell you, he's the best person you'll ever meet. He's the eternal king of heaven. He loves you. He's known you from the beginning of time. And there is a place for you in his family. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you love us. 
Thank you that we're free to meet. Lord, don't let us take it for granted. Father, thank you that in your word, in scriptures, you reveal the mysteries of your eternal will and purpose for us, that we would know you, that we would feel home, that we would have a family, that we have an eternal inheritance and a place to belong. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that for people wherever they're at tonight, whether they feel like they're kind of very much at the start of that faith journey or whether they feel like, hey, I've been in this for a long time and maybe I need some new spark or some new energy. Lord, I just pray that you meet us where we're at, as I know you do. And Holy Spirit, work in our hearts, encourage us, exhort us, convict us, equip us, do what you need to do, Lord. We love you. I just pray that you would uh, have spoken to us well tonight. Amen. So the band's going to lead us in just a few songs as we close. And, and while we do that, there'll be people over in the corner there who are waiting to pray with you um, for whatever need you might have. So please take up that opportunity. Um, if you're feeling amazing and you want to say, hey, thanks, God, then go and do that as well. Um, and if you're going through some stuff, then make sure you go and get prayer. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.